Emergency, the exits are here, 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 anywhere. Keep your hands and arms inside the carpet. We name is Hades, Lord of the Dead. Hi, how you doing? We dance, we kiss, we schmooze, we carry on, we go home happy. What do you say? Come on. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Welcome to the Disney Guys Uncensored. This is episode 147, recorded on July 18th, 2022. We are your host, Guy, Tim, and Bub. On tonight's episode, we head west to Tumbleweed, a small mining town whose fortune changed overnight when gold was discovered on Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. So hang on to your hats and glasses, folks, because here's the wildest ride in the wilderness. Over to Tim with the news. So somehow, despite us being off for three weeks, uh, nothing happened really by way of Disney news. Um, the uh, festival or the food and wine festival has uh, rolled into Epcot this week. Uh, the Disney Wish is finally in the water and starting regular sailings. And uh, that's about it. Really, really slow uh, news time for uh, the Disney company, which is kind of to be expected in the summer, especially since the 50th has been rolling for quite some time now. Uh, in lieu of the news, though, I did want to talk and get your guys kind of feelings on something that I've been noticing. Um, we got did the Star Wars celebration episode. Bob, you asked the question, have we reached peak Star Wars? Is it, or we have Star Wars fatigue? And I, I kind of disagreed with you, but I think we have reached peak Marvel. Um, we are really starting to see, especially now with Thor, Love and Thunder. It had a big opening, but the box office is back and it still opened under expectations. And then it saw a big drop off week over week. And it is one of the most poorly critically reviewed Marvel movies ever. Uh, you know, we're down there at, at Hulk reviews or uh, Thor, the Dark World reviews, which are mm -hmm. kind of the, the forgotten chapters in, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm -hmm. And this is not the first stumble we've seen in phase four of Marvel. Uh, the Eternals was also a critical commercial failure and not well liked even by uh, except by the most diehard Marvel fans. This Thor movie, though, it. it I'm seeing a lot of, um, you know, very Marvel positive media normally and people in my life are big, huge Marvel fans who say that this movie feels very slapdash. The rewrites are very obvious. The reshoots are very obvious. And the fact that this movie, despite having the largest budget of any single title Marvel film and the fourth largest budget only behind the big Avengers films, uh, of the Marvel movies in history was filmed almost entirely in sound stages in front of um the the volume or stagecraft the 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 way they film the Disney plus Star Wars shows and, and it really shows everybody sees it feels like a 1930s Hollywood movie with rear projection sets is, is really what I've heard a lot of um so combined with these these kind of uneven movies and really it seems like an overall lack of direction for phase four uh in the Marvel Cinematic Universe while also having more Marvel content, at once, I mean, we've had Marvel shows overlap. We've had a movie almost every two months now. Uh, and, and really only Spider-Man, which is the co-produced with Sony one, be, be a hit out of the park, both commercially and critically. 
what do you guys think? Are we at peak Marvel? Is Marvel kind of on its downside? What, what do you guys think about this? Well, I, I think the problem with Marvel, and, and you've asked a lot, you've thrown a lot at us here in that in that Marvel. Sorry, it's something I've been thinking about a lot with, with this. Yeah, door. you got a lot off your chest there, and I'm going to try to dissect it the best I can, is I don't think the Thor problem should surprise anybody. It certainly doesn't surprise me. Uh, there's a lot of people that love Taika Waititi movies, and it's usually the Marvel fandom as they love the third Thor, Ragnarok, which I will pound my desk here and tell you that it is the most overrated and overappreciated Marvel movie. So to me, no, it is not surprising that Love and Thunder is this way. Just watch the trailers and... At, it's not surprising that any of this is happening. What I will tell you is Eternals is way too esoteric and try to do way, way too much. Uh, I, I would even say the same thing about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. It's, it, I think Marvel, very similar to what happens in Jurassic Park, not the fact that we have six Jurassic Park, what happens in Jurassic Park is they, they, they strive to something bigger than themselves and... They crushed the first 10 years of Marvel uh, with the phases one through three with a cohesive story where everything was telling uh, one continuous story. Um, I, I can't believe that we're going to talk about COVID again tonight, but that's what they're going to tell you is that COVID did kind of affect the release schedule on how phase four should have been presented to us, where we ended up with WandaVision coming out prior to, to uh, Black Widow. I, I will tell you, Tim, I think we have reached a, a, a tipping point with Marvel. I think the big test lies in November. I, the, the big test lies with the next Black Panther film. <sighs> And and it, I'm it, terrified. That, I mean, there's no plot a details. Lot. It's a it, lot to say because they had to rewrite the entire film because Chadwick Boseman passed away. So, it, but that's where, to me, you'll see if Marvel is going to sustain anything other than mediocrity. I will tell you, unpopular opinion. I thought Miss Marvel was a great little show, and I didn't necessarily hate Moon Knight. A lot of people hated Moon Knight or, or didn't didn't wanted more Moon Knight in Moon Knight, which makes sense. I think the Marvel shows are doing a decent enough job, but I also recognize that those are interstitial storytelling devices and the movies need to be the tent poles. And like you said, Tim, in your rambling diatribe about Marvel in general, is that the only movie that's been worth anything has been Spider-Man. And we've talked about this before, Spider-Man in comic book form, in television form, in animated series form, in child form with like the Spidey and his amazing friends, and any movie, Spider-Man prints money, even if the movie is well, garbage. I mean, there's no two ways around so, it. Spider-Man is the most popular superhero correct. in the entire world. It, so, and it's been that way for over a decade now, and, and that's why Disney is willing to wheel and yep. deal with a competitor in a, in, yep. a, in a deal that's never happened before in the history of yep. movies to, and to keep this this guy in their movies. Spider-Man is bulletproof, and I, I think that's what we're learning here. Guy, what is your take? I, I don't know if you're a huge Marvel guy, but what is your take on Marvel as a whole? So just kind of like a closing thought on this uh, subject, I feel like Marvel's kind of in their Batman Forever stage where you can't just keep making 10s after 10 after 10 after 10 after 10. I feel like they're kind of, they need, 
I don't want to say they're obviously they're not looking to make movies that don't make money. That's absurd. But I just feel like they're in a stage where they kind of have to lower expectations. So when they come back with something that really hits hard, it's going to explode again. And I just think, you know, it's a series of ups and downs and you can only go up for so long before, even if you are doing something great, people aren't going to appreciate it. I think they're just on a natural downward slope. I think they're going to bring in great writers. I think they're going to just end up hitting home runs again. But again, you're going to slump. Like, Tom Cruise is the biggest movie star in America again right now. I mean, no one would have predicted that. I think it's just a series of ups and downs, and the audience decides what they want. And right now, the audience does not want Marvel movies. But a couple of years from now, the audience is going to be clamoring for it again. And like I said, everything, you know, comes and goes, but Marvel's going to be here to stay. I just think that it's just the natural ebb and flow of things that you can't just keep, you know, dominating the box office for. I mean, they've been doing it for a decade plus now. Well, I mean, that, and, the, and that's the thing. Like there yeah. were years where one third of the entire box office for the entire world was one was Marvel movies. They were they were making a significant percentage of all the money all movies were making, period, in a year. And and I'm just wondering if Disney shoved too hard on Marvel and now they're stuck doing this as their cash cow and as interest wanes, if, if that's gonna lead to trouble in the Disney movie space, because they're so all in on these Marvel phases. Bob, what do you You know, guy, you said something there. And you took a shot at my boy Val Kilmer, which I don't appreciate. And I like Val Kilmer. I like Batman Forever. Batman and Robin was junk. I don't disagree. But Batman Forever was fantastic. It's not. But it's one of those. I think is Marvel in that growing phase right now where in five years we'll look back at Thor Love and Thunder and Multiverse of Madness. I'm not thinking Eternals gets this treatment. I think Eternals was just misguided but do we look back in five or six years and say you know what dr strange the multiverse of madness and thor love and thunder were way better than they were initially received and i think that's something you got to look out for with marvel um i think the shows have had that uh, a little bit so i think the further you get from the shows the more you say ah you know what loki was pretty entertaining it was trying to do some pretty high concept stuff even when it came out it was a little underwhelming for it being Tom Hiddleston as Loki for, for 10 weeks. So I, I think that's what you got to look out for with the Marvel stuff is in five years, we look at it differently and say, they told a pretty cool story there. That's a, that's, that's a great point. And I, I think the TV stuff has been overall more successful than the, uh, than the movie stuff for the last phase, uh, for sure. I mean, the Hawkeye show made some of you Hawkeye haters actually care about a Hawkeye story. I mean, that's, that's about all you could say. It's a true story. It's a very true story. Uh, but now on to our topic of the week. Uh, if you hadn't guessed from the intro, it's uh, something that everybody can agree on as being great. And that's the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad or just Big Thunder Mountain if you're uh, overseas, as it's known in Tokyo and Paris. Um, yeah, so this is one of the canonical mountains of your castle parks across the globe. Uh, it is located in Florida, uh, Anaheim, Tokyo and Paris. Uh, it was designed by Tony Baxter uh, with some help from ride design engineer Bill Watkins. The concept came from Baxter's work on Mark Davis's Western River Expedition, which Bub made me promise I would not go down that rabbit hole. 
I just think that's a real deep story to tell, and we should probably give that its own episode. Yeah, so the, the, the one sentence summary is uh, when the Magic Kingdom was being planned, there was going to be a Western-themed pavilion that was literally going to be on a mesa, which contained uh, a ton of rides, one of which was a runaway mine train roller coaster, which was the furthest in development at the time it was canceled. Uh, when it was deemed far too expensive in light of the overall construction and the upcoming opening of Pirates of the Caribbean. That was such a huge hit in Disneyland that basically they were like, we, we have to have this in Disney World. So some money got moved around. Um, so Baxter basically championed his minecart roller coaster, severed it from the Western River Expedition Land. And uh, that was the, the genesis of Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Uh, it was actually put on hold several times. Uh, it was put on hold in 1974 as resources and personnel were being diverted to work on constructing Space Mountain. Uh, but that delay ultimately may have been uh, a blessing in disguise as um, Big Thunder Mountain was the first ride to ever use computers uh, in attraction design uh, for the design of the roller coaster track. Uh, which led to it being a much smoother and more interesting roller coaster than previous roller coasters in a theme park. Uh, it opened in Disneyland in 1979. It opened in Magic Kingdom in 1980. It opened in Tokyo in 1987. And it opened with the park in Euro Disney, now known as Disneyland Paris in 1992. That was the only, obviously, the only one where it was an opening day attraction. So that's kind of the story behind this ride. But I think Big Thunder Mountain, we're doing it a disservice if we just uh, kind of give you the book report version, because this is, at least in my opinion, and I think in my co-host's opinion, an all time great ride. Um, Guy, what are, what, are, what are some of your experiences with uh, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad? Uh, Big Thunder Mountain is just a joy to go on. It's just not overly complicated it's just fun like i've never gone on big thunder and not had a great time it's a great family ride and we'll kind of get into that um you know in the questions a little bit later on um it's just something that it seems like there's never that long of a wait for it, it usually caps out around 50 minutes an hour the queue's super interesting um there's a great backstory to the ride it's just it's just a great Disney ride. It's it's just something that they do so well, uh, so often. At least you know back when this ride was designed back back then. Um, I love it. Bob, well, what what are your your kind of initial thoughts on Big Thunder Mountain? I mean, I would say it's one of a kind, but obviously, as you've described, it it's in four different theme parks. But it's one of a kind of Disney. It, it's a, it's it's a simple enough concept the roller coaster runaway mind drain they're at almost every park you go to or any family of parks has a semblance of a runaway mind train uh but there's nothing uh like big thunder mountain a anywhere else in any form even when you get to the six flags or the uh the bush gardens families of parks or the paramount king's dominion king's island uh family it's just it's an experience from the moment you walk in the queue with the mining, uh, the authentic mining gear there. And it just, it, it's, there's something wholly spectacular about this attraction that I think we'll get into in a little bit uh, with just where Disney nuts, admittedly the three of us, Jordana and Andrew, obviously big, big fans of Disney as well. 
Disney and Imagineering as a whole tell a great story. Even if you don't know the story of Big Thunder, um, the story is there. This is a spectacular attraction, and I'm excited to talk about it tonight. Yeah, I, I think, Guy, you made a great point there. Uh, and it's something that I was thinking about when I was thinking about what's so great about this ride. It is the perfect, like, mid-tier e-ticket, where it's obviously been around forever. Uh, it, it's such a perfect ride, but the hype is not still there. So it is always, you know, if you get there early in the morning, you can often walk on. And even at the height of the day, it, it's it's going to be a 40 to 50 minute wait, which is kind of the ideal wait for for an e-ticket ride at, at Disney uh, when the park is real busy, uh, as opposed to, you know, you don't want to wait 200 minutes for, for Seven Dwarfs Mine Train or, you know, 85 minutes for Splash Mountain. But Big Thunder is just, it, it it's reliable. It's there. It gets the job done in low key it, it's just kind of the workhorse of the disney parks it's it's you know that position player who you know makes a championship team and carries them on their back but doesn't exactly uh get all the glory that the the newest and the biggest and the best gets so you're saying it is the opposite of what jason tatum did in the nba finals yes okay I just want to make that clear that i hate duke and I hate Jason Tatum for going to Duke and then that skill not translating to the NBA finals. Tim, my apologies. <laughs> uh, so, Guy, I think you have some questions for, for the group. About- I do. Yeah. So just to keep it kind of a light episode tonight, um, you know, we'll hit some kind of, you know, basic questions that, that uh, we don't have to think too much about. Uh, but I'll start it off here with the, the first one. I mean, is Big Thunder Mountain still a must ride for you guys? Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, I don't think I've ever been to Magic Kingdom, even on a, a trip where we have multiple Magic Kingdom days where I have not ridden Big Thunder Mountain. It is oftentimes my second ride after rope drop, if not my first rope drop ride. It, you know, get it real quick as a walk on and then hit something else. Now, Bub, is this a, a ride you take your family on as well? 100%. 100%. It's, it's a must do. Even all these years later, all these trips later, and going on almost 50 years for this attraction, or at least 40 years, this is a must-ride attraction. Absolutely, no doubt about it. So now I got two two little ones, um, and I'm just like, honestly, I don't know going forward. Now with Sal, what we always do is we take him on Splash Mountain, and then he's kind of wiped out. So I don't think we've ever actually taken Sal on Big Thunder Mountain, but I just don't know so much... I mean, the ride is always going to be fun. It'll always work as a ride. I don't know how much kids and, you know, again, we can go into your kids as well. How much they're really going to care about this kind of Old West theme, though. Is this theme dead? Is the Old West dead? Yeah, probably. I mean, ultimately, yeah, you're probably on to something. For my kids, no. Uh, They got stuck with the father that routinely uh watches westerns their grandfather watches westerns actually both grandfathers watch like the old school like bonanza and stuff like that so uh, they have an appreciation for it um i think let's take let's take the western out of it for a second and when you say i still think this ride holds up even if you take away the the mining aspect it's that great of a ride um but to answer your question fully yeah i I don't know that it matters to people, the, the Western side of it. And I think if we ever do get around to doing the Western River Expedition and Thunder Mesa as a whole, um, I think those would have aged differently 
than something like Thunder Mountain by itself. So, Because I just look at like Space Mountain as space travel is always kind of a timeless thing for kids. I'm just wondering if this ride is kind of running out of its next generation. So I personally am, am not a person who has ever cared about Westerns. I don't think I've ever made it through an entire Western movie that wasn't like a, a Quentin Tarantino Western movie. And uh, I I just love this ride, not for the Westernness, but just the cohesiveness of the theming. And it, it the Western aspect just adds to it because it fits so well into the Frontierland and blends so seamlessly into Frontierland. Um, as someone who doesn't have kids, I've always gotten the impression, though, that this is just the perfect amount of thrills, just the perfect amount of height requirement, that this is basically once your kid does Goofy's Barnstormer on the East Coast or uh, Gizmo's uh, or Gadget's Coaster on the West Coast, that this is the, the first real, quote unquote, roller coaster that you're going to take your kids on. And that, you know, the theming really helps to ease them into it because it's not just a bare steel monstrosity it, it still feels very much like a disney ride that just happens to be a very complete and thrilling roller coaster that doesn't contain any of the more challenging roller coaster aspects that that you know a modern even quote-unquote family roller coaster would have like this is less intense than guardians of the galaxy or hagrid's you know but it still is a ride that an adult wants to ride every time and it has its own unique thrills because there's really not a minecart roller coaster like this anywhere in the world other than at Disney's castle parks. I mean, honestly, I do think that's a really good point, Tim. I've never seen. So if I've been on this ride, you know, two dozen, three dozen times, I've never seen a kid chicken out before the ride's about to start where they're like, I don't want to go on this. I don't want to go on this. It's too scary. It's too nothing. It does have a very comfortable feel to it. Um, it does feel kind of safe. Like I've even seen kids not want to go on the Barnstormer before. This feels just kind of like relaxing. The station has like a really good vibe to it. It kind of really does ease you into the ride. And then it's not super intense to begin with either. So, I mean, it really is kind of great starter coaster, like you said. Um, definitely a good family coaster for sure. See, I think you guys are doing this right a disservice by by playing down the thrill level. I get it's not quite Space Mountain thrill level um, in terms of what Space Mountain is and, and the theming of Space Mountain. It's not quite that. And it's clearly not Expedition Everest, which some would say is the cousin coaster to this roller coaster. Um, it, it, it's, but I think you're, I think you're underselling the the enjoyment and the intensity of this attraction. This isn't. Uh, this is a much more intense experience than Goofy, and I would even say as quasi intense as seven dwarfs mind train is and i think it's a it's a fair comp it's similar i think this is a little bit more of an aggressive take on what seven dwarfs is oh for sure and i i wasn't trying to play it down it's just unique in the roller coaster space where you know a lot of roller coasters walking up to it you see this big lift hill you know everest is like this she's huge lift hill and then a huge drop and maybe some aggressive turns and banks and a cobra twist. This is wholly unique in the way that it, it uses the roller coaster concept 
to much more be a cohesive ride that's not just like, all right, we're going to go up a big lift hill and then we're going to go down a big hill to gain momentum and we're going to do these different things that create G-forces and hang times alternatively. It, it, it is much more about this kind of like herking and jerking through very tight twists and turns. Um, there's a couple of spirals, but they're, you know, you don't realize they're spirals because they're in and out through dinosaur bones or the canyons or, or the town. And it just becomes all this cohesive experience that tells you a story while you're riding a roller coaster. Now, do you guys you think get... that? Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. This... guy. I was just. Yeah, go ahead. Do you think this ride suffers from not having its WrestleMania moment, whereas Splash Mountain has that big drop? Uh, Space Mountain is obviously very unique. It's a dark roller coaster. This is more kind of just basic, does the job good, but it's more of a, you know, a, a chicken tenders and fries kind of meal. Oh, Listen, see, you always agree. need an Intercontinental Champion, bud. You always need an IC champ. You guys don't I, mean, that's, think you, I don't know what to tell you. You guys don't think when you get to the top of the hill that – has the force perspective and like the the dynamite goes off and then it's actually a drop and the the last third of the ride i feel like that's kind of its moment um i i feel I like overall it's, it's, it's just, just a string of moments yeah well i think what he's saying when you go to universal studios and you see velocicoaster the top hat is that wrestlemania moment space mountain in general on on uh on just visual alone the striking white Tomorrowland steel structure—it's yeah. like hell in a cell. It's that sells that attraction. If we're going to use wrestling metaphors, that sells that match, regardless of whether it's junk or not. It's hell in a cell. It's elimination chamber. So you're watching it. Um, I, I, I do. Splash Mountain is a perfect example. The weenie is right there. It's the ladder match right there. It's boom. It's right in front of you. So. At the end of the day, this is Ricky Steamboat versus Macho Man Randy Savage. It's on the undercard, but it is the best match of the night because of its technical ability. Hey, I mean, those were some uh, some tortured wrestling metaphors, but but we got there, and I see what you're saying. Uh, maybe I'm just a, a big stand for this, but I, I feel like you guys might both be underselling it a little bit, but... Uh, there's a lot of rose-colored glasses on my end, and I don't hey. have kids to experience it through for the first time yet. All I'm saying is, is the visuals are hidden here, I think is what Guy's point is. is. There's no as beautiful and as picturesque as Big Thunder Mountain is from a design standpoint, and it is unequivocally the coolest looking of any of the mountains, with the exception of maybe Expedition Everest, which I think you could argue is pretty badass looking. But Thunder Mountain looks ripped from... Utah, it and, and you don't know what you're getting into when you get on it. Zachary would not go on a a roller coaster. Um, with the first time we took him, he would not go on an outdoor up up the lift hill, down the lift hill into a, a barrel or a corkscrew. He went on Thunder Mountain because he didn't know what he was getting into, and I think that's more to Guy's point, and less us not selling Thunder Mountain and more of it being spectacularly designed in a way that it hides its secrets almost like a woman of the night <laughs> and so just a point i want to hit on too um you know you kind of mentioned how great it fits into frontier land um how it's such a great selling point for the land it really feels at home there um but 
I want to know what you guys think with Splash Mountain get re getting rethemed to Tiana. Is there a day that's going to come where, you know, it doesn't fit in Frontierland as well? Do you think they're ever going to kind of redesign what Frontierland might be? Do you think Frontierland might go away? I'm going to shock the world here and tell you that the advent of Splash Mountain effectively killed the design of what originally Frontierland was. So Splash Mountain being in the bayou now in 2035, sure, maybe that'll change the path. But you'd have to get rid of Country Bears, Tim, sorry, the Frontierland shooting arcade. You'd have to get rid of Pecosville Cafe. It, Frontierland is much more than Splash Mountain entirely. At Tom Sawyer Island, it's whatever. It, I don't really even know where that falls. It's like its own little land. But I don't know that Frontierland ever isn't Frontierland, even if or when Splash Mountain does change. Bob, I got to be honest. I was going to try to hit you guys with a swerve right there, but uh, that was actually my take exactly, is that even though they have the mountains on Splash Mountain and they try to give it that kind of orange twang it does not fit Frontierland really at all other than the fact that you make it an orange mountain like if you look at you know big thunder that landscape does not lend you to an oasis even though there's water there it doesn't give that kind of impression and i think splash mountain never really fit the Frontierland uh facade perfectly anyways so i never really thought it was going to make much of a difference not to go on a tangent about Splash Mountain, but the only reason it is called Splash Mountain is because they wanted Michael Eisner had this thing for a mermaid movie that MGM put out called Splash. And Tony Baxter had argued that, well, we have Thunder Mountain, we have Space Mountain. We could call this Splash Mountain. Then the initial working order here was uh, the Zippity Doodah River Run. And it's always, always been canonically and that's the second time we've used that word tonight and in internal documents it's chickapin hill it's not really a mountain it is just strictly a hill in set in southern georgia which has really nothing to do with an old west but ultimately that's why when i say to you i i, I think the advent of splash mountain where it is kind of it it is the outlier not the rest of not the rest of the western theme from the end of Liberty Square to the end of Thunder Mountain. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have much to add. You guys really cover my points. I've always viewed Splash Mountain as this weird pause in the middle of um, Frontierland because Frontierland is Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. You know, the the how the, the story works with the mining company, the town that supports this stuff is all interconnected. And it's 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 almost more odd that you have splash, you have town, 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 Splash Mountain, then Big Thunder Mountain, and you can almost see how Splash Mountain's pushed a little bit back off of that to, to to be easier to skip over in the continuity of Frontierland. So it doesn't really matter if we're going from Chickapin Hill in Georgia to the Bios Louisiana because it, it never fully integrated to begin with. Um, so I don't think it changes anything, and I don't think. I think there's a lot of things up to it, including Tomorrowland, especially in Disneyland, goes away before Frontierland goes away. It is too integral to the the fiction, the fantasy, the, the storytelling of what a Disney castle park is um, that you're, you're not going to get a wholesale retheme because because we're we're adding a more popular IP to to a ride that had a kind of bizarre IP to begin with. And guy, think about this. They moved the Frontierland train station, which used to be 
at the bridge. You would come over, and the train had to be rerouted to welcome Splash Mountain into Frontierland. So to Tim's point, Splash Mountain, whether it's by design, whether it's for spatial limitations, is set back off of the original Frontierland footprint on the on the expansion pad. So I, it's a design they had to put Splash Mountain in once they opened it to Disneyland. That ride was just too great to not put in the park. But that's the outlier here, folks. That's the one that doesn't belong. Um, I mean, I know we're all kind of going to agree here, but I mean, at you know, in its 40s, is there a day where Big Thunder Mountain is rethemed or they dump an IP in it? I mean, do we think that ever comes or do you think this is untouchable? I'm sure 10 years ago, people, maybe not 10 years ago, but 15 years ago, people certainly would have argued that Splash Mountain was untouchable and people would riot if you changed it. And I mean, there's outliers still going on. You know, there's still little puffs of smoke with uh, people being outraged that they're changing it. But the majority of people, I would say, don't care and are ready for something different at this point. Uh, do you think that day could ever come for uh, Big Thunder Mountain, Tim? No, because, I mean, first of all, Splash Mountain already was based on an IP. And it's it's not it's a classic ride now, but it's not a true Disney classic that's been there since the early days of the park. And, and God forbid, I, I I don't see them ever adding an uh, IP, but it would be an absolute travesty in my mind because this is really a ride from a different era of ride design and an era where you know Tony Baxter, one of the greatest to ever do this, you know where. Imagineers were designing these rides in such a different way. Um, I, I want to share with you guys the backstory, the story behind Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, because there is a story behind it. And some of our listeners who may be the most hardcore Disney fans might not even know this, because unlike Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, uh, Avatar, uh, either the Avatar rides, uh, Rise of the Resistance, all these new rides have a very complete story that you are a part of. But there are pre-shows in all those cases. I just named multiple pre-shows and then on the ride itself that are constantly telling you this is the story you are part of. This is how the story is progressing as you progress through the ride. Whereas Big Thunder Mountain Railroad has this intricate backstory that is not presented anywhere in the ride itself. It is just a, a backdrop of knowledge for the people who work on the ride and design the ride and maintain the ride and update the ride so that anything they do to the ride reflects this backstory and you kind of just absorb it through osmosis of the theming and ride and, and, and story and natural storytelling of it being so great. So a, as Tony Baxter designed it, um, sometime in the late 1800s, gold was discovered on Big Thunder Mountain in the American Southwest. Overnight, a small mining town becomes a thriving one. That town is called Rainbow Ridge in Disneyland, Tumbleweed in Florida, and uh, in uh, Paris, it's called Thunder Mesa. So it's Rainbow Ridge at both Disneylands, just to be clear. Um, that is not presented anywhere other than in Frontierland signage in the respective parks. Uh, the mining was prosperous. An extensive line of mine trains were set up to transport the ore. But unknown to settlers, the mountain was a sacred spot that local Native Americans used and had cursed. Uh, the settlers' desecration of the mountain caused a great tragedy, and the town was abandoned. And then it goes even further on to, depending on the park, the tragedy is different. 
Uh, it's an earthquake in Disneyland and Disneyland Paris, a tsunami in Disneyland Tokyo, and a flash flood in Walt, Walt Disney World. And that tragedy kind of reflects in the in-ride theming, especially on the back half when you are in the more rocky, rolling section of the ride, uh, you know, after, you know, something goes wrong and the mine train goes loose. Uh, sometime later, the locomotives were found to be racing around the mountain on their own without engineers or crew. The Big Thunder Mountain Railroad was founded in the old mining camp to allow wanderers to take rides on the possessed trains. Um, yeah, so that's that's like this complete backstory of this ride that is literally not presented anywhere other than in um, there was a comic book a number of years ago. Uh, I believe uh, maybe a, a couple issue series about Big Thunder Mountain. I know there has been a book and then uh, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad comes up both in the overarching sea narrative, Society of Explorers and Adventurers, uh, that kind of ties together all the Disney parks, especially the castle parks, and also in the Kingdom Keeper series, which is somewhat related to Big Thunder Mountain or uh, to the sea mythology. But this this whole cool backstory that you know Tony Baxter. Uh, came up with it, it is is there and and present and just adding an IP I think for me the type of person who really thinks this type of stuff is very very neat and, and unique to Disney parks would kind of be bulldozing through that because you know if they made it you know Chicken Little I don't know I I don't even know what they would retheme it to but it, it would then be just like all these other new rides where it's very much this is the story. This is how you feature into the story. Now you're in this part of the story. Now the story's over, and now you're getting off the ride. So, yeah, that, that's my take on it. I pray they never uh, integrate an IP into it. So I think the only IP that would have worked um, would be kind of like a Woody's Roundup uh, type deal. I mean, I think that would obviously fit the story. I think if you look at the opening of Toy Story 3, uh, you know, they have that, you know, pretty dramatic train scene to start that movie. I think a story like that could easily fit into the existing ride. I think they could do something really great with it. But I just think now that, you know, Toy Story Land is at Hollywood Studios, there's no point to it. Um, so I just don't see a reason to touch this ride as is. I think it's safe for another two decades at least. Um, but, I mean, we'll see. Everything changes. I mean, the day is going to come where, you know, it's they can't get people to go on it. Um, it might be 20 years, 30 years, but eventually this ride is going to come to an end, um, I think at least. Um, but right now, I think there's no reason to touch it. I think it, it's a perfect fit for Frontierland. You guys aren't thinking fourth dimensionally, and we have that problem quite a bit on this podcast. It's not what IP is going to come to Thunder Mountain. It's what Thunder Mountain becomes as an IP. And inevitably, like Pirates of the Caribbean had to integrate Jack Sparrow and Barboza, what if we got a Disney Plus series of Thunder Mountain and Tim's backstory, and we got elements to tell that, and Big Thunder Mountain itself became the IP? Hmm? Hmm? Well, hmm? I, I love that. I mean, that's great. Like, don't shoehorn something else onto it, but use use the, the rich right. history of this ride to, to power it to the next level. And I mean... Pirates of the Caribbean before before Marvel and be, before the revival of Star Wars. I mean, there was a period of time where they were trading blows with the Transformers series as the biggest movies in Correct. the world. I mean, hey, as long as we don't get Home on the Range presents Big Thunder Mountain, we're fine. That would be truly shocking and disappointing. 
also seems very unlikely. Young Guns 3. <laughs> Young Guns 3. But uh, moving on, this is something we were discussing pre-show. Um, just because I honestly don't think I've ever ridden the ride at night. For me, this is the perfect uh, day ride. Uh, you're a little wet. You sit in the sun. You dry off. Um, it kind of flows from me. Uh, but, Bub, you have some uh, pretty strong feelings that this ride uh, sh- not should only be ridden at night, but it's the quintessential night ride. Defend your stand. 100%. Well, nothing to defend. If you haven't done it, I can't explain it to you. The track's just a little bit faster because the steel's a little bit smaller. It's a little bit more reckless. It's a little bit more fun. And it feels very similar to Space Mountain feeling much faster than 28 miles an hour. Thunder Mountain at night feels a hell of a lot faster than 36 miles an hour. And that's kind of its generally agreed upon speed. I will tell you, if you guys have not done Thunder Mountain at night, you are missing out. A lot of the lighting, and again, we Tim, I don't know what it is since we've rebooted the show, but lighting comes up an awful lot when we're discussing uh, attractions and, and theme parks. But the lighting on Big Thunder Mountain at night is out of this world. It is an entirely different experience at night. And it's really too bad that our former co-host Andrew is not on with us tonight because he will also defend this as a must ride at night. What an attraction at night. Just a completely different experience. And that's not to take away from the daytime experience. It's an attraction that you have to ride multiple times. Go on at least once at night. It is a different experience. Well, I'm going to disagree, Bob. Because, you see, if I wanted to ride a steel roller coaster in the dark, Disney's provided that experience for me. I could ride a steel roller coaster in the dark at 8.30 in the morning during early park entry. It's, It's called Space Mountain. Uh, This is like the most, as we already talked about, completely visually, thematically, you know, experiential roller coaster, maybe other than Everest in any of these parks. So for me, I have ridden at night, but I I, I think it's like Guy said, it's a daytime roller coaster. So you can see all those details of the buildings, the animals, the, the geyser, the dinosaur bones, the twists, the turns. You're going into the dark in the tunnels and then coming back out into the light and you're kind of disoriented. I just think that, I mean, riding at night is cool. Um, I'm wondering if you, you bring up that that Drew holds this position. Is this ride that you guys rode many, many times on those long uh, lamented and long gone e-ticket nights? Because that that may be be coloring your uh, your perception of, of this ride at night. You know, running down during zero weights during a a, a long past. Uh, after hours event see here's what i'm gonna do because we're 50 minutes in and i don't really want to get too aggravated with either of you right now but i sat here and was as diplomatic as i could be the ride is fantastic during the day not my fault that you're a square tim and don't appreciate a great ride at night i don't know what you want me to tell you but for the listeners that have never done this ride at night they are doing a disservice to the attraction if they don't at least try it once that's all. I mean, I can see the appeal. No, and for you to imply that this attraction is somehow at night, similar to Space Mountain in any way, is just the most moronic, idiotic thing you've ever said on this podcast in 200 episodes. Just so we're clear. Guy, go ahead. So, I mean, what I was just going to say is just piling on here. I mean, when you ride Splash Mountain at night, at least, you know, you get to see the castle and you get to see it all lit up nice i mean with big thunder here i don't really see what the appeal is 
You're not selling guy, me. You've I don't never, get it. You've never ridden it at night, guy. You've already said that. So anything you say is an in, at least Tim has ridden it at night, so his is quasi-valid for his own beliefs. You've never ridden it at night, so whatever you say to me is completely invalid regarding this attraction being a nighttime roller coaster. Well, that was uh, that was an impassioned defense of, of Big Thunder Mountain at night, and uh, we will leave that up to you, the listeners, to, uh, to de- I mean, definitely try this out at night. It's definitely worth it. This is a blast day or night. Oh, let us, yeah, let us know. here we go. Oh, yeah, no, it's fine at night, too. Yeah, now you're changing your goddamn tone. I'm telling you guys, it's a great ride. Both at both times, any time of day, it's a great attraction. I will tell you, if you've never ridden at night, it's an entirely different experience. Entirely different experience. This is kind of like night. you trying to tell me that the Astro Orbiter would be a great ride during the day. I mean, it only works at night. This only works during the day, as just as far as I'm concerned. That is the most that is more ridiculous than Tim saying it's like Space Mountain. The Astro Orbiter is literally Dumbo. It's it, it doesn't matter when you ride it. That ride it's, it's bad. It's bad no matter what. It's it's a less comfortable Dumbo if we're really gonna get down breast. It yeah. sucks and you have to take an elevator. Terrible. Why? No, no. You're not making this about a, a spinner ride that is at Edaville Railroad. This is this is ludicrous. All right, so it wouldn't be a Disney podcast if we didn't end the show. No, it's a completely different attraction. You're out of your goddamn. It's just <laughs> incredible. I, I can't. I can't. It's, it, it's literally Big Thunder Mountain during the day. Great attraction. Top three attraction in any of. Uh, I literally can't stress enough how it is one of the best attractions ever made. Riding it, riding this specific ride at night. Andrew's math is wrong. He says it's a thousand times better. I'm not willing to go that far, but it's a completely different experience at night than it is during the day. And if we are serious about being a Disney podcast and giving people the uncensored approach and giving them inside information, the amount of people that do what Tim does go to Thunder Mountain in the morning, ride it during the day when there's not a ton of people there, ride it at night, just to experience it, it is literally an entire different. It's an entirely different experience. You could say it about Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. It's the same exact concept. It's an entirely different ride at night, and Seven Dwarfs Mine Train also far superior at night than it is during the day. It, it just, I don't know what to tell you. This is. I ridiculous. mean, I think, I think what the biggest problem is is when I go into Magic Kingdom, I, I go left. That's how I start. So I'm, I'm banging. The, I'm that done by yeah. noon. You, you and two That's million other sheeple that go left. Yep, great, good, go left, good, keep going left, and just walk out of the park, Nick. Oh, man. So with that, let's rank our Magic Kingdom mountains, best to worst. Uh, Is this the nighttime version or the daytime version? Daytime, daytime. Daytime version. Okay, it is. It is Big Thunder Mountain is the best mountain. Yeah, the only mountain that I think eclipses it is Expedition Everest. I think it does a lot of what Thunder Mountain does on a much larger scale. Um, so I will tell you that Thunder Mountain, uh, and then Splash Mountain, and then Space Mountain. I, I Space Mountain needs to be redone. I think we will get something once Tron finally opens. Whether it's um, maybe. maybe a year just to kind of offset, but I think within the next two or three years, Space Mountain gets that overhaul that it desperately is. Space Mountain is just literally, it's an uncomfortable ride. I love the concept of Space Mountain. It's just terribly uncomfortable, physically uncomfortable 
on that ride. But I, I love Space Mountain. I think all three rides are fantastic. Um, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, if you want to get involved there too, would probably be fourth for me. And I do love that ride as well. Uh, but it's Thunder, Splash, and then Space. And then, uh, of course, if Everest is included, I would put Everest as as my favorite Disney mountain. And it's very close. But Thunder is is unequivocally the best mountain attraction at at magic kingdom right now in my opinion again at daytime or at night it is the best mountain attraction in the park yeah so bub i gotta completely kind of agree with you on this list here um i think space mountain's the most iconic but like you said um it's super uncomfortable i've never i don't think i've ever gotten out of that ride when i was 10 years old or now in my 30s and not lost a shoe Every time and never fails. I'm always hopping. I hop right out and then I got to dig back in and grab the shoe and just shove it on trying to go up the walkway. Um, Definitely the most iconic. I would love to see. I think what's going to be great when Tron opens for Space Mountain is just the wait times on that are going to plummet to 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And then eventually, like you said, after a year or so of that, they're just going to shut it down, completely retheme it. And then when Space Mountain reopens, that's going to help split the kind of wait times on Tron after that's been open for a couple of years. Uh, But definitely, I got Big Thunder Mountain number one. Um, I'd probably put Space Mountain number two just because it's an icon. And then Splash Mountain rounds out uh, the top three there. All great rides, obviously. Yeah. Listen, I kid and we get saucy and it's it's fun. The ride during the day or at night is a special spectacular right it's it's all in good fun tim i didn't mean to say that you had a moronic no, take no, at, least no. you, at least you defended your stance and have ridden it at night where a guy has never ridden it at night so <laughs> go ahead tim. no i my list is actually the same as yours bob uh it, it's uh big thunder number one splash is a very close number two and uh, honestly space bound is a distant number three um i agree with you and guy that it, it, it's probably will be redone once Tron gets established. But I think it's going to be a little bit later than you guys think. And I think it's going to be closed for a lot longer because I think whatever they do in Tokyo with the redo of Space Mountain, um, once that's complete, if it's well received, uh, that's what we're going to see for uh, Florida and uh, almost certainly also in California. And it's funny, Guy, to hear you talk about how uncomfortable uh, Florida Space Mountain is because it's almost universally acknowledged that it is the more comfortable and smoother version compared to California. So if you haven't done that one recently, that is even more uncomfortable both in the ride vehicle and the tracking. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, Space Mountain is an icon, but it's really, I think, at this point, coasting on its iconic status. Uh, on our most recent trip, uh, the lines for it were so long, and uh, I just couldn't be. Bu- there was so much stuff I would rather do in the Magic Kingdom than wait over an hour for Space Mountain at this point in my life, and as, having been to Disney as many times as I had. Uh, it, it, it's just it. It's a good ride, but it doesn't wow me the same way it used to. Tim, the list of things you would do instead of waiting for Space Mountain does that include the Astro Orbiter guy? It, it uh, for me it doesn't. I mean, the Astro Orbiter is never really in my plan. And I think I've the never, last time I rode to the Astro clear, Orbiter, I've, I've never gone on the Astro Orbiter either. I was just <laughs> the fear there. But yeah, like oh, Tim was saying man. with Space Mountain, I mean, sometimes the line is past TTA. It's like, haven't you people yeah. been on this ride before? It yeah. is not worth it. I mean, at least with Seven Dwarfs, I get the the theming. It's still yeah. new-ish. I get it. Like, there's a good chance that people are there. They haven't gone on that ride before. 
I mean, and like everybody's been on Space Mountain. At least I would say 75% of the people in line when it's past the TTA have been on this line before. And I don't understand the motivation to want to wait in that line for that. Well, I would just I would like to say one thing, Tim. I think this is easily a two and a half year overhaul. I I I, I don't. I think it could be closed within a year of Tron, depending, like you said, on schedule. But I, this isn't a quick fix. This is easily a a two year plus. I think almost a complete gut, almost a complete replacement of the track, and this is like it. It needs it more than almost any other attraction that's considered an E ticket. Or I, I just this is this is the one ride that needs the overhaul. And I guess technically some people would argue that, uh, believe it or not, Rock and Roller Coaster is at the end of its life as well, which we could I argue. Think, that I think that's too, another but. discussion because in, unless the the Marvel IP rights can get figured out. Um, I'm not sure what the future of rock and roller coaster is. If you can't no. turn it into an Iron Man ride like they just did in Paris, because I, I would agree it is the only ride other than Space Mountain of its popularity and of its magnitude yeah. that is is definitely past its shelf life. Yeah. Space Mountain can yep. coast on on the vibes and the history perpetually. Yeah. Um, and people just more and more people will probably make the choice that I made last month where, hey, maybe this isn't worth the wait when the wait is this long. Um Rock and Roller Coaster, uh, its launch aside and its thrills aside, it is definitely starting to feel long in the tooth and feel dated, despite being much newer than any of the rides that we've yep. talked about tonight. Yep. That's what you get when you sign up Aerosmith after Armageddon. Like, I mean, it, they're 80 years old. I mean, what are we doing here? They're not, they, they don't, I mean, I digress. That's another conversation for another day. Uh, I will be honest with you. Uh, if that is it, Gentlemen, oh, guy, no, there's, any there's one more oh. thing that I, oh, I have boy. to. I would be doing a disservice to the listeners if I didn't talk. This is my single favorite fact about Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, and that is in 2016, uh, there was a peer reviewed scientific paper published in the Journal of American Osteopathic Medicine Association uh, entitled Validation of a Functional pilocalical renal model and what that pronunciation i just butchered means is uh oh sorry validation of a functional pilocalical renal model for the evaluation of renal calculi passage while riding a roller coaster and what that means in layman's terms is a kidney doctor named dr wardinger uh found out in 2015 that Patients of his had passed kidney stones after riding Big Thunder Railroad at Walt Disney World on vacation, including one who passed three kidney stones on three separate occasions. The doctor then contacted the Walt Disney Company and got their permission to ride Big Thunder Mountain Railroad 20 times with a 3D medical model of a kidney. The study then found that 70% of the time, the kidney stone was passed on Big Thunder Mountain. And you would think that this means like, hey, going on a roller coaster will help you pass kidney stones. But you would be wrong because the study also found that Space Mountain and Rocker Roller Coaster starring Aerosmith failed to help patients pass kidney stones. To this day, I mean, to this day, I say the study was done in 2016, but 
It has not been fully explained. There is some unique quality to the specific track layout and, uh, you know, ride motion of Big Thunder Mountain Railroad that uh, has created this phenomenon where it is extremely effective in, in helping patients pass kidney stones. And that is not something any other ride thus discovered and studied in, in the world has been able to do. And that's just a cool little fact about how Big Thunder Mountain Railroad can improve your life if you have kidney stones. Well, that's going to wrap up the episode tonight, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening to the Disney Guys Uncensored, where we teach you how to pass kidney stones on roller coasters that are much better at night, but some would argue they're just as good during the day. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns about this episode or any of our previous episodes, please feel free to reach out to Guy Izzo at our email address, which is the Disney Guys Uncensored at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, the best way to support us is, in fact, to go to your preferred listening platform and leave us a review and or tell a friend that you enjoy the program. That is Tim. He is Guy. I am Bub. And thanks for listening to the Disney guys uncensored. We'll catch you next time.